to Hungry for More, an Epicurean's Dilemma. I'm your host, Trish Gloss. Vodka, gin, and whiskey. We're talking about all of it on the podcast today with Mark Fine. Mark is the president of Ogden's Own Distillery in Ogden, Utah. He has 30 years of experience in the beverage industry. He was the director of beverage for Norwegian Cruise Line, and his work took him all over the place, from New York to San Francisco and Florida. He says, though, when Ogden's Own called about a job, it really was a no-brainer. This company has taken the history of Ogden, which is a little seedy, and wrapped it up into all sorts of things that they do. Mark and I talk about the brands from Five Wives Vodka to Five Husbands Vodka to the Madame Paterini Gin. These labels are funny, historical, and supportive. Mark says the company really wanted to not only highlight people in their community, but celebrate exactly who they are. Here's Mark Fine. Mr. President of Ogden's own distillery based in Ogden, Utah. That is correct. Hello, Trish. How are you doing? I am awesome. I love that we are talking about booze so early in the morning. You know what? Anytime we're talking about alcohol, I am a happy person. Well, that's your life, right? That's been your life. That really has been my life for probably over 30 years from being a sommelier in New York City to working for distributors, to working for amazing winery and liquor suppliers, to even being in the, as a beverage director for a cruise line. So I love this industry, love eating, drinking, and sharing that with people that feel the same way. Right here. You are in such good company. We are, we're going to get along so great. I'm so excited. Um, we are going to talk so much about Ogden's own distillery. The brands within this distillery include Five Wives Vodka, um, Five Husbands Vodka, Madame Paterini Gin, Porter's Whiskey, and an Underground Herbal Spirit. Um, I had so much fun on this website looking at, first of all, all of the labels, and then second, reading kind of the story, the history behind how this distillery has really come up with these names because nothing, everything had intent behind it. Everything. No, you are a hundred percent correct, Trish. And that's what excited me about this opportunity to lead this organization. Uh, to be honest, I never heard of Ogden, Utah. I did not and wasn't aware of these brands that this distillery made, but similar to what you just said, I did the same research and I said, oh my gosh, these brands have stories. Mm -hmm. And when there's so many liquor brands, when there's so many wine brands, when there's so many beer and breweries out there, how does one connect to that? I, I relate it to the song by Sting, Message in a Bottle. Nice. What is the message in a bottle, right? Whether it is a place, a person, the vineyard people, the people that are making the, 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 the beer and the wine and, and distilling the products. What is a message that the consumers and a trade can relate to? And 100%, when I saw these fun labels, these brands have stories mm -hmm. that people can relate to, mm -hmm. whether it's Five Wives, with, with its tongue-in-cheek, with the polygamy and Mormonism, or the reality is that it was actually a vaudeville act of actual Barrison sisters. Right. And you know what, Trish, if you have three, four, five friends that like to get together eating and drinking 
and shopping and skiing or whatever you friends like to do, that is five wives. Mm -hmm. And if you are part of or wish to support the LBGTQ community, that's what Five Husbands is about. Mm -hmm. Madam Paterini Jin, Madam Paterini was basically Utah's first uh, drag performer, drag queen. Right. And, you know, back in the 1880s, how risky was that? As I can't how even. risky is it to be who you are that you want to be now or who you would love to be today? Right, exactly. We're going to talk so much about the brands and some of the stories behind them again, because as you just said, there's so there was so much intent. Nothing really, I mean, everything was done with such detail. Um, but first, Mark Fine, I want to talk about you a little bit. Where are you from originally? I grew up in New York City okay. and have had the pleasure from going from New York. I've lived in Florida, both in Miami and Orlando next to Disney and Tampa and lived in San Francisco back in the wine business as well, as, as well as moved to Atlanta. Uh, for a long time, I would travel 150 to 180 days a year what? all around the country telling the stories of the wineries or the liquor brands I represent or back and forth to either Europe or South America, depending on which winery uh, I represented. And Atlanta was a great hub uh, as well as a great food scene as well. Did you, growing up, did was wine important in your family? Uh, my father drank Manischewitz and Mogan David, a very sweet wine. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I would say no. Uh, <laughs> Mom loved to cook uh, and cooked all kinds of culinary cuisines and ethnicities. And she uh, did enjoy uh, good wine and good spirits uh, as well. Uh, and... For me, I never knew this would happen, uh, but it, it, it came in as an accident, uh, and I fell in love with uh, everything I had the opportunity to do, whether yeah. it's in the wine business or the liquor business or both. I love the idea of, and, and we try to bring it back in our house, we have cocktail hour, right? So you work all day, and and you really look forward to that cocktail that happens at that five o'clock where you know husband comes home and wife hands him a, a martini kind of deal. Um, I, I just love that idea of, of cocktail hour. Right. And I feel like a lot of people are starting to bring it back a little bit, kind of celebrate a good cocktail. I'm not talking about <clears throat> like, like a rum and Coke kind of thing, right? Like a, a craft cocktail. Yeah. You know, unfortunately COVID happened and when it did happen, people started looking for hobbies. You know, you couldn't go to a bar. You couldn't go to a restaurant during COVID. Right. Uh, and there were certain cocktails that you, 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 you missed. And so a lot of people found different hobbies, good hobbies or bad habits and things of that sort. Some people took up running and exercise and cycling. Others decide, you know what? I'm going to learn to make my own cocktails at yeah. home because I can't do it at bars and restaurants. And at, to your point, they're like, I, I can make a rum and Coke or a gin and tonic. This doesn't excite me, but. What about that Mai Tai? That was good stuff. Or, you know, uh, even even a Moscow Mule, which was kind of cool. So a lot of people started learning about cocktails. Craft cocktails became really popular. Uh, ready to drink cocktails became popular because some people were saying, I'm too lazy to make a cocktail, but let me let me buy some that's already in a can. Yep. I pop it open and, and enjoy it. Uh, and, 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 uh, now when they go to bars and restaurants, they're like, 
I can make that at home. What else do you have? Mm -hmm. Did you work in restaurants at a young age? Uh, to be honest, I was actually a magician and a street performer at a young age. What? In New York City? <laughs> yes. Yes. So you were you were the guys that you were one of the guys on the streets like performing for people who are passing by. Exactly. Exactly. I used to do magic uh, and and have fun. And one of my first gigs really was somebody said, do you know anything about wine? And I said, yeah, I can make it disappear. And he's like, <laughs> I like you. <laughs> I can do that, too. I'm a magician, too. I can make wine disappear. <laughs> um, how long did you do that? How long were you a street performer? So I, I, I did magic and comedy professionally for almost 10 years. And that, that it's funny because I almost went full circle with the cruise lines. Because at one point I went from doing magic at restaurants. You know, sometimes uh, I would work at a restaurant going from table to table doing magic. You know, sometimes uh, there's a little lag time between the, the food coming out and this and that. So I would do little card tricks and make balloon animals and things that sort. Um, and then I would also work on cruise ships as an entertainer uh, doing magic and comedy and even a little bit of... Uh, uh, guest speaking and things of that sort. And it's funny because I came full circle and went up going back to the cruise lines, yeah. but as corporate uh, director of beverage. So interesting. Um, so um, magic, like card tricks, that kind of thing. You know, I enjoy magic with everyday items, okay. you know, sure. People could go to a, an amazing magic shop and buy hundreds or thousands of dollars of props and learn how to make it happen. But I loved uh, sleight of hand where you could just take an everyday deck of cards or coins or even magic with rubber bands uh, that, you know, just something that's everyday, that's something I could relate to, say, oh my gosh, I have cards at home, I ha but nobody has a box where you're going to jump in and be sawed in the half at home, so... <laughs> Unless they're just kinky. At least most people don't. Right. <laughs> the, the kinky ones do. Um, well, then how did, where did this love of wine come in? How did wine enter your life as far as, so, like, yeah, the passion for it? Yeah. Yeah. So I, so I started doing entertainment uh, and then I actually hosted uh, a Miss Hawaiian Tropic pageant um, and several of the uh, people uh, that were judges of the Miss Hawaiian Tropic pageant uh include many, many uh, celebrities and things of that sort. I started doing uh, promotions for Hawaiian Tropic Sun Care Company. And the Miss Hawaiian Tropic pageants would current, continuously be in bars and restaurants, mm -hmm. mostly bars, all over the country. Uh, it was based in Daytona Beach, Florida, Hawaiian Tropic Sun Care Company. And we always had liquor and wine around. And all of a sudden the distributor said, hey, uh, you know the bars, all the bars in Daytona Beach and the restaurants and, and, and you know about promotions. Uh, would you like to join our, our, our company? And they, and they were a distributor, Southern, uh, at the time called Southern Wine Spirits, which is now called Southern Glazers. Uh, and they hired me basically as a salesperson. I knew nothing about wine, nothing about spirits like, outside, of, like I said, making it disappear. Um, and I enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. um, so... I started at Southern as a salesperson uh, about 30 years ago and in the heart of Daytona Beach back then it was spring break and bike week and promotions and it was all about how do you build brands 
in, in Daytona Beach to the spring breakers and, and the college kids back then. And I would always try to come up with different ideas to build brands, not just to sell stuff, but how to make it successful for bars. How can uh, the patrons go into the bars, say, oh my God, this is such a cool item or a cocktail, right. uh, a, a brands that they never heard of. And did that for a little bit, for about a year. And then this company saw what I was doing and they said, wow, this is super cool. Can you build uh, this brand? And at, at the time it was a small vodka called Finlandia Vodka. And nobody knew how to even pronounce Finlandia Vodka. And I sold roughly 400 cases of vodka, Finlandia Vodka in three weeks during spring break. And they're like, that's more than we do in the whole state of Florida. Nice. What did you do? So they came down, they saw the promotions, they saw the cocktails that I created. They saw that people actually re recognized what they were drinking uh, and they offered me a job. Wow. And this company not just had Finlandia Vodka, but they had this amazing wine portfolio of French wines like Mouton Rochelle from Bordeaux and La Doucette from Loire Valley. They had this amazing Italian wine portfolio from all the different regions from Campania and Tuscany and Piemonte, mm -hmm. uh, all, all over. So it was this amazing portfolio. They brought me to California in the heart of wine country. So I lived in San Francisco and I had this amazing opportunity, very fortunate to represent a great import portfolio of, of wines from France and Italy and Germany and port from Portugal and Spanish wines and being in the heart of San Francisco in the backyard of Napa and Sonoma. Nice. So I said, you know what? I want to be the best that I can be. So I said, you know what? How do I test myself? How do I push myself? How do I learn as much as I can in this fortunate opportunity of representing a great importer of wines in the heart of California? And so I hooked up with a group of friends that were going for their sommelier program. Uh, and there was eight of us. Uh, and we started going after our sommelier program. So I went for my, my certificate. Uh, and then I passed my advanced sommelier certificate. And then I also went for my diploma of wine and spirits from Wine Spirits Education Trust. Uh, and just soaked up as much information as I could, both with the wines that I represent, plus the wines in our backyard, plus uh, with fellow friends. And I just fell in love with it. Yeah. And it sounds like what you're really good at is creating that identity, right? Like you said, there's thousands of, of booze out there and wine. I mean, forget about it. So how, how do you make this product stand out from everything else? Yeah, no, it's a, it, it's a very fair question. You know, one of my first, uh, winery jobs uh, after the importer was St. Supri and St. Supri was known for Sauvignon Blanc. And I'm like, but oh my gosh, folks, we make so many other great wines mm -hmm. besides Sauvignon Blanc and in uh, uh, Napa Valley. Napa Valley is known for Cabernet Sauvignon. And it was more of becoming an expert of whatever you're doing, right? So you're not just selling something, but you're becoming an, uh, an expert or a go-to person so that when somebody says, hey, I have a question about wine, not just about St. Supri, or not just about mm. gin or vodka, that you really can speak intelligently about categories and trends 
but for for consumers and trade because you have you have I, I deal with both people I deal with owners and bartenders and servers and psalms uh, from the bars restaurants and retail shops to consumers and media and press and everybody wants to have different information everybody's levels are different right so you know most people don't care about the distillation process they could care less about that but if there's a story that connects them to the label to the place people can relate to and again it's that message in the bottle mm-hmm. and then on top of it if the product is good right it's just win 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 all the way around yeah for, for sure because you know getting that first sale is easy but if the product is not good getting that second or third resale <laughs> right. is, is not going to happen so where did norwegian cruise line come in i mean obviously you're doing the psalm thing and 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 out in san francisco so how did norwegian come in yeah so i you know i've been in a business working for both distributors and wineries and it's a very small industry. Yeah. Everybody knows everybody. And one of the first things I was taught and I will always remember is you never know what brand or brands you're going to represent tomorrow, nor who you're going to work with or work for. And so I have fortunately so many good friends that work for different wineries that are either owners or representatives of wineries and liquor companies because we would all get together at different events, whether it's Aspen Food and Wine Festival or, 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 or distributor events and consumer events. And because I understood the network of how to build brands, how to put together beverage programs, how to do training for both trade and consumers, um, this, this opportunity with Norwegian Cruise Line came about saying, hey, you know basically everybody. <laughs> you know all the wineries. You know all the liquor companies. You know a lot of the breweries that we want to or are already working with. Yeah. You know, you can you have these relationships that you could tap into uh, to put together a successful program. You could work with marketing and operations team uh, and accounting team and create you know take the beverage programs to the next level. You know some cruise lines have really elevated their program. And when you have guests jump on a cruise ship from all over, let's say, the United States, Mm -hmm. they could be coming from the big cities or Midwest or small cities. They're exposed to different levels of uh, wine, different levels of drinks and beverage programs. And, you know, it used to be that uh, beverage programs on cruise lines were 10 years old. You know, mm-hmm. so if you came from big cities, like, okay, I've, I, I had a pina colada 20 years ago. What else you have? No. Yeah. Right. And so for, so for us, we really wanted to take it to the next level. So it didn't matter where you came from. You were still impressed of the quality of product mm-hmm. and the quality of service and how the food and beverage worked well together. So anywhere from instilling a sommelier program for our, for our team to elevate that, their knowledge so that if you went to a restaurant and you wanted to buy a first growth Bordeaux wine and you had questions about that, the, 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 the wine steward who may be coming from India or Philippines could talk intelligently with the guest, whether it's giving them a fun little story about the vineyards, about the wine grower. Right. Uh, fun, fun little stories to having a really cool 
uh, brew house concept with 40 different beers uh, during the Alaska season cruise where the beers could come from Alaska, Oregon, mm-hmm. and Washington State and be able to talk intelligently about these beers and, and because they went through a Cicerone beer certification to also reaching out to my friends in the wineries and, and really having uh, you know wine dinner cruises where you would have, you know, whether it's uh, any, any number of winemakers come on board the ship and, and have fun with people. Yes, please. <laughs> that's what I want. That's what I want to do. I definitely, a wine, the wine cruise is, is something that's definitely on my list of things to do. And you don't have to drive. Right. Safe, safety first kids. Are there, (laughs) are there challenges in this business? Um, as far as when you're looking at, you know, we could look at as far as spirits go and wine, there's so much and, and then there's so much on top of so much, and then it keeps growing, right? There's always something new coming out. Are there challenges kind of intertwined with that as, as you're looking to, to make things stand out and give things identity? Yes, for sure. You, you have a couple of different challenges. One of the challenges is for sure distribution. Mm-hmm. Even if you believe you have one of the best products available because the quality is there and maybe you even already gotten some great press and great, great ratings. Uh, you've got a great story. You've got a great package. You've got a great label. You've got great marketing team. You still have to get distribution from mm-hmm. state to state to state. And in a time where you know, the, the distribution has shrunk and consolidated to two or three major uh, liquor wine distributor partners uh, around the country. You know, a lot of small brands can get very easily lost mm-hmm. or not even accepted to have distribution outside of the, the one or two markets that they're even from. So, you know, just getting people's attention is, is, from the, from the trade and, and the, the stakeholders in the distribution channel, that is super challenging. Uh, but it's also responsibility from a distillery to say, hey, we will also give you the tools to be successful. Yes, you could wave your flag and say, I've got a great product. I've got a great story. Now, how do we get that story to this, the stakeholders? How do we get that to the trade, to the, to the beverage buyer? or the the retail shop owner, um, and then to the end consumer. And I think a big part of that is having the strategy and having a really cool story that people can relate to. And then on top of that, are there struggles and challenges with states who maybe, um, as far as like, I know just from the wine aspect, like shipping wine to certain states, they just, they don't allow it. Like they, they won't allow wine shipments in. So was that ever a challenge dealing with different states and different rules and regulations? Yeah, you know, ever since prohibition ended in 1933, the U.S. government started saying every state will have its own rules, its own laws, its own restrictions. And every state is different. Yeah. Uh, There are certain states where the state themselves, the government themselves, for instance, here in Utah, the state itself here in Utah controls the distribution they control all the retail stores uh, and, 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 and things of that sort. Uh, and, and so you have to understand the rules. You have to understand the laws. And, and they are what they are, right? Uh, Mark Fine and Ogden's own Distillery is not going to change the laws here in Utah or anywhere else around the country. So 
we have to, as a company and as a team, understand, okay, how do we go, how do we do our route to market? How do we go to business in any other given state? Understand those rules, understand those laws, understand those challenges, uh, understand who the right players are, Mm -hmm. tap into that and, you know, answer the right questions, find the right distributors or brokers, uh, find the right retail partners or hotels or casinos. And, you know, again, get our story out there. Yeah, because I can't even imagine just the little bit of knowledge I have regarding the rules and regulations in Utah. I'm curious, was there ever a challenge just getting the distillery up, built, functioning? Was that a challenge? Yeah, so, you know, Ogden's own distillery was actually the number two uh, distillery to be open since prohibition. It was right behind High West Distillery. Wow. Okay. So, th- and it, this is in 2009. Right. So only, <laughs> so o- only in the last couple of decades, right, uh, is the second ever distillery ever to open here in Utah. So yeah, I mean for sure, Utah has uh, a lot of people that believe in the Mormon Church and LDS, and they don't drink. Uh, alcohol, coffee, or tea, but there's plenty of other people that drink enough for them. So, and you also have to remember that uh, because Utah as a state owns all the retail liquor stores and as a restaurant, the restaurant also have to buy from the state stores. That is a lot of money that goes right back into the government and the state of Utah financially. So you're talking about a very profitable business for mm-hmm. the state of Utah to maintain and hopefully grow the alcohol uh, business. Um, but there, there's still also responsibility. For sure. Tell me the story about Ogden's own distillery. I was reading a little bit about the founder, but really where did this this idea of like, hey, let's, let's build a distillery, let's make some good booze. How'd that all start? Yeah, so Tim Smith, uh, the founder came up with this idea and was was trying to figure out, okay, uh, he's ne- he's never really made booze before, but he likes to drink like you and I, uh, and said, man, let me let me create something in my kitchen. And basically, that's what he did. He's like, okay, do I make absinthe? Okay, but realistically, how many people drink absinthe? Well, I drink absinthe and I like it. Um, but how many other people really drink it and can you sell that? Then he looked at, you know, what's some of the popular other products out there. And one of the first things he saw was these liqueurs, similar to absinthe or Jägermeister, uh, Amaro's that are becoming very popular right now, like Aperol and Saint-Germain. And he created his first uh, liqueur called Underground. And when he created Underground, it was kind of like this, almost like this medicine man show, like the, I'm going to put all these cool 33 herbs and ingredients that 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 really kind of are flavorful, uh, that may have some really good benefits, maybe, um, and things of that sort. And then he came up with the name Underground because living in Ogden, Utah, uh, Ogden has this rich history of back in its heyday in the downtown area of Ogden is the historic 25th Street. Yes. And historic... Yes. And the historic 25th Street had underground tunnels where people would have uh, brothels and prostitution and gambling and opium dens, all kinds of crazy sadistic Mm -hmm. fun little things that I'm sure the Mormon church didn't like. But people (laughs) came here and partied their, their 
whatever off. Mm -hmm. um, even Al Capone came to Ogden and said this was too crazy for him. And he left and went back to Chicago. <laughs> so, you know, again, how cool of a story is that even if you've never been to Ogden and know about that, there are still people that are hipsters mm -hmm. that are that like to do fun stuff or creative stuff or crazy stuff or wild stuff. Um, both at home and at bars and restaurants. Mm -hmm. And these are the kind of people that underground also can tap into. Um, when you look at the logo uh, of underground, it's, it's like a circle uh, as though uh, a destination on a map. So if you look at a map of, of, of a place where any major city comes, and especially when railroads cross through it, because a lot of railroads would go through Ogden to go west, north or south, it would intersect in Ogden. And that's also kind of where uh, our label comes from. Yeah, so this was from the website and I printed it out um, because I loved it so much. But from the late 1800s to the mid 1900s, setting foot off the train in Ogden was often a life-changing experience for a transcontinental rail traveler. Train station sat as the root of the infamous two-bit street. Any man's desire fulfilled for two bits. With no trouble from the law, a man could gamble, drink bootleg liquor, spend time with an unfamiliar lady, smoke opium, or befall a worse fate. I love that. How fun. Makes you want to come to Ogden, doesn't it? Yeah. I'm going to hop on a plane right now and, and go. Come but, on down. But I love I love the idea that the founder, again, with, in, with intent, right? You look at the history. And you're really sort of not recreating it, but it's a nod to Ogden's past. Yeah, no, for sure. It's a, it, it's a, it's a nod to Ogden's past. It's a nod to America's past. Totally. I mean, this, 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 this is America. This is America's history. Uh, and, 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 and this is something that people can relate to and, and it's kind of relevant. And even to this day, like, like I said, people still feel like they, they have to be underground because of whatever habits that they have or whatever passions that they have. Sometimes they feel like they have to be underground, but shame on them. Let's be who you are and who you want to be and, and enjoy your life. So underground started in 2009 mm -hmm. uh, with Ogden's own distillery. And then they looked at the shelves and they said, let's get into the vodka business because vodka is the number one liquor category. And so they fast forward, they said, okay, let's come up with a vodka. What do we come up with a name? And everybody thinks about Utah. Everybody's like, do people actually drink alcohol in Utah? Is it actually allowed to drink in, in Utah? Um, what about the polygamy in Utah and the Mormonism in Utah? And so they said, okay, let's, let's play off of that. And so they came up with five wives vodka. Right. And all of a sudden people are like, Oh my God, that's hysterical. This yeah. is funny. Five wise vodka. And it took off here in Utah. Uh, the moment that it was released, everybody jumped on it. Uh, even the state stores loved it. It was, the, it was really the first local distilled vodka to be made here in Utah. Because like I said, we were only the second distillery ever to open. And the first one was High West and they make an amazing whiskey, but that's all they make. And so now all of a sudden a vodka made in Utah with the name Five Wives, those that drank loved it, mm -hmm. you know, because they, 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 they just loved it. And it took off, it became uh, the best local spirit uh, in, in, the state of, uh, in, in the state of Utah. 
uh, City Weekly magazine started promoting it, and we, we, we just started blowing up. And then our neighboring state of Idaho, and just so you know, originally the Five Wives label, there was, they were trying to figure out, okay, who do we put on the label? You know, do we get our friends and our girlfriends and our wives <laughs> to be put on the label dressed up in this, you know, 1880s, you know, kind of Victorian outfits? And they found this really cool image of five women. And they didn't even know who that image was. They just said, oh, here's five women. They're dressed up in this cool little uh, outfit. Let's put it on the label. Boom. All of a sudden, Idaho, our neighboring state uh, here, who also has a population of a lot of Mormonism and LDS church, uh, a lot of bars and restaurants said, we want five wives too. Okay. And all of a sudden the state said, no, you know, we don't want to support this kind of brand and this kind of messaging. Uh, Which and this state? And that. Utah or Idaho? Idaho. Okay. Idaho. So it was first launched in, Mon in, in here in Utah. And then our second state to launch was Idaho. And Idaho said, no, 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 no. Right. We can't have a brand that talks about, you know, five wives and who knows what this is about. And all of a sudden the press and the media jumped on it, you know, CNN and and you, you know, everybody <laughs> jumped on and said, we want five wives. We want five wives. Excellent. And all of a sudden we got this letter that said, what is the controversy about the Barrison sisters? And we're like, who's the Barrison sisters? Nice. It turns out that that image that we found that we had to actually clean up a little bit were the Barrison sisters who were actual sisters from Copenhagen. And back in the 1890s, they used to do vaudeville. Right. They used to travel all over Europe all over the United States, having fun, enjoying life, laughing, drinking, making people laugh, loving to travel, things that I like to do. I'm sure you yes. like to do, eating, drinking, traveling, giggling. And one of their bits in their act was they would tease the audience, which was mostly men, of, hey, do you want to see what's underneath my dress? And the audience, which was mostly guys, said, yes, Hell show, yeah. us what you, <laughs> show us what you got. And I will, I will make this a, a, a PG-rated uh, podcast. So yeah. they would say, would you like to see our kitty? And we'll call it a kitty. And everybody's like, yeah, show us your kitty. Show us your kitty. Uh -huh. And they would lift up their dress, and underneath their dress would be a live kitty. Right. When you look closely at our bottle, it's amazing how many people drink and enjoy Five Wise Vodka. They don't even notice that when you look at the label under the dress mm -hmm. with it lifted up is a kitty. And some people will say, and I don't know if this is actually true, but I heard a document, a documentary was talking about slang words and, and, and popularity of certain slang words. Somebody has said that the Barrison sisters actually made the kitty uh, more popular due to their reference all the time during the vaudeville shows. Interesting. So again, you know, Five Wives all of a sudden is either about polygamy, and if you buy that because of that reason, that's great, or is it about five women just enjoying life right. like you and a lot of my friends 
like to do. And that's what Five Wives is about. Um, the kitty cats were the first thing I noticed. And it, didn't, yes. it did not get lost on me whatsoever. I mean, that was the number one thing I noticed. And I just said, okay, time out. And I took a trip to the website and I was like, this is incredible. And again, it's about, as you were saying, being exactly who you are, right? And not hiding yeah. who you are. And that's why I also exactly. love the five husbands vodka label, um, really kind of to support LGBTQ, but a step further a step further really not just putting like the rainbow on on the the brand and the label and the bottle but really there's five humans on this label one of them is a non-binary trans masculine another is a co-founder of stonewall sports where really anyone can come and play sports another is a seventh generation mormon who came out in his valedictorian speech when he was graduating from BYU. I mean, just, and, and there's two others, but there's um, just the, the the representation of these five humans on this label speaks volumes for not only this company, but really the support that you're giving to really everyone. I mean, not just the LGBTQ community, but really everyone. Trish, I love that you've taken notice to our stories and our labels and our people on our brands and our kitties. Because, you, you know, people, we, we have always supported everybody. Yeah. You know, uh, and for many, many years, Five Wives has supported, for instance, the Pride uh, Parade mm -hmm. in, in downtown Salt Lake City, in which we'd actually get the Five Wives costumes out. And whoever wants to be a Five Wives, and we've had all kinds of people be in that costume, marching in that parade. It was, it was brilliant. Yeah. And then finally people said, why don't you come up with five husbands in 2019? The first label came out. Um, but we've, we've been supporting LBGTQ for many, many years and not just during the month of June and pride, you know, there, there are unfortunately too many times that certain brands, may target a certain demographics, whatever that demographics is, they come in, they target them, and you don't see them for the next year. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we really want to go gung ho with it. So in 2019, we came up with our first label. Uh, it was, again, because of the state regulations uh, and the state controlled the, the retail stores, it was, let's say, called a seasonal purchase, where they brought in for a couple months. Uh, the original label had uh, members of the distillery or friends of the distillery uh, with their faces superimposed on very sexy bodies. And similar to the Barrison sisters and their kitty, uh, the five husbands have a rooster. <laughs> Call it a rooster, right? So, so good. Um, it's so good. To, yeah, but to fast forward, we now have five husbands. We did a search. And we had over 150 people from all over the United States that said, we want to be on this label. We want to represent the LBGTQ community and be part of the five husbands. And I put wow. husbands in quotation marks, right? Um, and to your point, we have five people that have five great stories. Mm -hmm. What's super important, and we are so excited about, from 2019, 2020, 2021, this was like a seasonal buy where the state would only have, they would bring it in like, you know, May or even June. Uh, and by the time the, the bottles 
were off the shelf, we would always have the product at our store right. uh, at the distillery year round. But super exciting and commending the Utah DABS system is they recognize the success of Five Husbands Vodka. And earlier this year, I think it was like March of this year, the Utah DABS said, you know what? We're gonna make Five Husbands, what they call a general listing, where it's now available in the stores year round, which is amazing that they recognize what we're doing. They recognize what the, what the consumers out there appreciate in addition, we donate one dollar mm. for every bottle of Five Husbands sold goes right back to the LGBT community. It doesn't matter where this product is sold; we will keep that money uh, for 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 that. So, That's amazing. Um, yeah, for sure. Well, and it's not just highlighting these people. You're celebrating. You're celebrating everything that they are, and so I just. It was just really, it's, it's funny. Yes. There's, there's some humor there, but it's just so stinking sweet too. Right. Like I just was reading all of these stories from the five husbands and it just, it just hit me. It was just like, ah, oh, you're just, you're not only highlighting these humans, but you're also celebrating them and that's taking it a step further. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, to, to the point that each, each of the five husbands have such a unique story, not just about themselves, but something that hopefully can connect to some other individual out there that may be afraid of who they are, or who mm-hmm. they want to be. Totally. And so on the back of the label, we actually have a QR code where people could go right to the QR code and go right to video messages from each of these five husbands, because it's five husbands with five stories, five messages. And we're also trying to push the limit by showing more colors of that rainbow. Right. Uh, as, as you said, we have Madison, um, who is a trans binary uh, masculine, mm-hmm. uh, who, who's, who's an amazing person. We have uh, Bryce, who co-founded Stonewall Sports, uh, which is a great league for anybody that wants to do sports and connect with other people, whether it's dodgeball or kickball. We have Hoshi Men who is, to my knowledge, if not the only, but yeah. maybe the first yeah. Asian drag performer here in Utah. Uh, Matt Easton, as you said, went to BYU and literally came out in his valedictorian speech and almost lost his um, diploma because of that. Come on. Uh, and, and and then Chef Brian Woolley, who's been on TV for over mm-hmm. 30 years and is very well known. So super excited. I don't know how we're going to top it off next year. Mm-hmm. So if you have some people in mind that okay. want to be a five husbands, let us know. Now, do they all have to be, they all have to be from or live in Utah? No, start, starting next year. Uh, you know, this year we had so many great candidates from, like I said, all over the country, but these five happen to be here in Utah. Um, but next year we're open to anybody and everybody. I like the idea of kind of the inaugural label they're all from utah right that's just very special but the idea that you're going to open it up i think you guys are going to be okay i think (laughs) i I think there's going to be some candidates out there who want to be on the label and really how beautiful is that just again celebrate you're just celebrating who you are and everything about who you are um are you at the distillery is that what i see behind you i i am i am actually in our cocktail bar Mm. uh 
we have we have an amazing cocktail bar that shows off and features all of our brands and really unique handcrafted cocktail experience where we make cocktails from Five Wise Vodka or Man and Perry Gin or Underground or Porter's Whiskey, but we take it to another level of creating it in a unique vessel that helps tell stories or fun things of that sort. And then once you're in the cocktail bar, you can see our production warehouse and beautiful. our beautiful still. Distilleries are so pretty, aren't they? Because everything's like sparkly and clean and shiny. Uh, some are and some not oh. so much. <laughs> well, yours looks very shiny. But, well, if you're going to have a window that shows it, you better make sure it's clean. <laughs> yeah, you better get your ass in there and clean it. When did you sign on to Ogden Zone? So I moved out here August 15th. So I've been here just over a year. Okay. Well, congratulations on your one year anniversary. And you said you didn't really even know that there was an Ogden, Utah when this came up. This I, opportunity. I, I, absolutely not. I, I never heard of Ogden. I d- wasn't familiar with the brands at the time I was down in Miami. Um, and then when I did the research about the brands, the, my, my other passion uh, is I love to run in the mountains uh, and Ogden, if, if you don't know Ogden, you, 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 but if you're an outdoors person, it is a playground for outdoors people, whether you run, whether you bike, whether you ski, snowboard, uh, hike, fish, uh, it, it's just a playground. We are, we are right at the base of the Wasatch Mountains, um, close to ski mountains like Snow Basin and Powder Mountain and right. Snowbird and close to Park City and everything else. So it's definitely a playground for outdoors people uh, and now a playground for people that like to drink alcohol. Incredible. Where can, can people outside of Utah find this, this alcohol anywhere? I mean, yeah. So, so our product is distributed in multiple States, including Oregon, Nevada, Idaho, uh, Montana, uh, Wyoming, if I haven't mentioned that right, Michigan. Okay. And then we do work with a couple uh, a different e-commerce, third-party e-commerce sites where they can possibly, depending on where you live, ship our product to uh, them at home as well. Okay. I'm looking for it. I'm looking for all of it. Um, this may be a hard question because I know for a lot of people, probably too, for the the guys who work in the distillery, they maybe have their, their children and, and these different brands, right? Maybe it's the vodka that's their favorite. Do you have a favorite? You know, it's like asking somebody who has multiple I, children. I know, I know. It's a, it's a hard question. <laughs> you, you know, I I love to drink and I love to eat. Um, and it depends on, am I by myself or am I with oh, somebody? Yeah. You know, and is it summertime? And because, you know, there's certain beverages that make you just feel better and more refreshed in the summertime. And there's certain beverages that make you feel better when it's. I so agree. Like whiskey, whiskey to me is like a winter. That's a winter spirit, in my opinion. Just when you want to like cozy up by a fire where like vodka, that's like, let's go summertime. Yeah. And it really depends on how you create it, because, I mean, we have some, you know, Porter's whiskey makes some great flavor whiskeys uh, like peanut butter that. Uh, we, we actually, we do a peanut butter whiskey that's imitation peanut butter. And everybody's like, well, why is it imitation peanut butter? Like, well, because some people have nut mm. and tree allergies. Yeah, good call. And if you are scared of having other peanut butter whiskeys that are made uh, with real peanuts, you may hesitate and stay away from those. So now, again, we try to open the doors to other people. 
Um, so we make we make a peanut butter whiskey, an apple whiskey. Uh, we make a peach whiskey. Mm. We make a huckleberry whiskey. We make a cinnamon vanilla called fire whiskey. And this has now opened up the doors to people that weren't whiskey people. Yep. Similar to, you know, sweeter wines like Moscato and White Zinfandel would open up people that never drank wine. Mm -hmm. They would start with those things as well. So it opens up another demographics, which is really cool. Okay. So then tell me your go-to cocktail. Ooh. I know. I'm, I'm over here with the tough questions. Just pew, pew, pew. I'm firing them away. <laughs> you, you are. <laughs> you, you know, I, I love, I love so many different beverages. I, I, I truly do from from you know gin-based cocktails, we we make a we make a cocktail called Madam's Hidden Cucumber. Okay. Now, if you know who Madame Paterini is, yes. Madame Paterini, the name of our gin, uh, is was the persona of the 35th son of Brigham Young. But more importantly, uh, this person loved to dress up as a woman mm -hmm. in drag and sing opera. And their persona was Madame Paterini. So we make a cocktail called Madame's Hidden Cucumber. And, ba -ba. Yeah, ba boom. Uh, not again, not lost on me. And and Madame Paterini and, also, I read, was so convincing from their voice to the way they looked. A lot of, I mean, they would fool a lot of people, a lot. And, the, and, and people in the church hit it, didn't know about it. Uh, and we found, we found this photo and image of man Paterini, uh, and, and the story. And we, we want to share with the people because, uh, again, doesn't matter who you are, who you want to be, you should be proud of who you are and don't worry about bullying and, nope. and, and stand up for yourself. You know, being unique is music to my ears. So we, so I helped create this cocktail called Madam's Hidden Cucumber. <laughs> and it is fresh, Pressed cucumbers, mm. which is great. Yes. Pineapple juice, which is great for anti-inflammatory. Uh, a little bit of fresh ginger syrup. Make that with a little bit of Madame Patrini gin and add a little bit of ancho because I like a little spice in life. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's just super refreshing. It's balanced with acidity. It's got enough sweetness. It's got freshness from the cucumber and the pineapple juice. It's bright. It brings out the botanicals of the Sicilian lemon and the coriander from the Madame Paterini gin. And again, tells a fun story about Madame Paterini with that name. Love it. I just, I love all the brands so much. They're all so incredibly fun. But I would suggest if uh, people want just some more information if they want to learn about Ogden's Own. Ogden'sOwn.com is the best place. That's where you can find the brands. And as you heard from Mark, um, there's lots of different places that sell this incredible, these incredible spirits. So that's a lot of fun, Mark. We're going to wrap up a little bit. I'm going to get to the final three. Best advice you've ever been given? Uh, best advice? I, I, there's two. One is if I wake up on this side of the grass, I'm a happy camper. <laughs> Because you know what? No matter what's going on in life, things could always be worse. Totally. So if I'm on, so if I'm on this side of the grass, I'm, I'm happy camper. Uh, and then the other thing uh, I briefly talked about was this is such a small industry, and I'm very fortunate to have lots of great friends, and I treat them with respect. Uh, 
because you never know who you can represent there. There's some people that will possibly talk bad about their competitive brands, mm -hmm. but it's a small world. And uh, so you, you stay true to yourself and, and to everybody. Yeah. Don't burn bridges. They'll bite you. Yeah. They'll come back and bite you. Yep. Uh, what's your happy place? I love being in the mountains. Mm -hmm. I don't care if it's the mountains here off of in, in Ogden on the Wasatch Mountains. I don't care if uh, it's Pikes Peak Mountain in, in uh, Colorado or North Georgia Mountains and Appalachian Trail to I've been fortunate enough to be in Mont Blanc in the Alps and the Italian Dolomites or down in Argentina. Uh, I've even done a, a really cool in, in Siskiyo uh near near uh, rogue valley mm -hmm. so i i love running and i i figure the more i run the more i could eat and drink <laughs> and keep my girlish figure <laughs> i agree with that that's why i go to the gym so i can have i can have that extra <laughs> glass of wine tonight yes. um okay in all things food and drink sir what do you crave what always sounds good i have a couple things one for an appetizer one of my favorite appetizers and this is kind of like my my really cool um expensive night date night out escargot mm. even if you don't like snails that hot oily buttery garlic mm. flavor that that escargot is swimming in even if you don't eat the snails and go for that baguette and crostini and just dip it into that yes just Soak it, soak up that butter, garlic, wonderful French stuff. It's it's amazing. Yes. And I could have that with either a glass of absinthe, which is that anise licorice flavor, or a glass of champagne. I, I'm a happy camper. Mm -hmm. But then on the other extreme, I'm happy with street tacos. Yes. I mean, really yeah. good street tacos with a good glass of mezcal. And a slice of orange and a little salad gasano. I don't care if it's uh, w what kind of food is going in that street taco, as long as it's good and, and clean. Um, and, and then I love cheese. <laughs> I, cheese I'm all, I love cheese. I don't care if it's that stinky cheese matched mm -hmm. with a nice Riesling to the, the goat's milk and softer cheeses working with a little Beaujolais and Pinot Noir to the hard cheeses from France and Italy or the Rogue Valley, yeah. California, yeah. Uh, with some really nice Riojas or, so I, I just love to eat and I love to drink. And you know, there's so much good alcohol out there, wine and beer and spirits, uh, life too short. So if you wake up on this side of the grass, grab something. Amen. I could not agree with you more. And just because I would get in trouble, I have to say Rogue Creamery that exists in Central Point, which is in Southern Oregon in the Rogue Valley, has uh, the best blue cheese in the world. In the world. I, I do like Rogue Creamery. And I, I had the fortunate opportunity to have some Rogue Creamery and some beers from Rogue Brewery uh, while watching the Perfect. Shakespeare Festival <laughs> there and okay. running in a Siskiyou Mountain. So, okay. okay, good. Um, We've done our job. Hallelujah. <laughs> Mark, you have been so fun. Thank you for uh, not only sharing your story, but sharing Ogden's own story. Again, for information 
on Ogden's Own Distillery. Just go to ogdensown.com. Mark Fine, the president of Ogden's Own Distillery. Tell everybody I said hi and get back to work making that vodka and gin and whiskey, all the good things that we can consume. Thank you, Trish, for sharing our stories and our passion and doing what you're doing. And Uh, right back at you. You've been listening to Hungry for More, an Epicurean's Dilemma with me, Trish Gloss. You can watch this podcast and subscribe on my YouTube channel. Just search Hungry for More, an Epicurean's Dilemma. You can also listen and subscribe wherever you like to listen to podcasts.